Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. In this episode, I continue my conversation with Prasenjit Sarkar, a technologist, innovator, and disruptor, and a distinguished engineer with Rubrik Inc. Earlier, I'd asked Prasenjit if an entrepreneur should take outside help in building teams and people. The answer to that question a lot more in this episode. He talks about how building a psychological profile of a new hire will help and the importance of reaching out to references and understanding any challenges the candidate face. I asked him how he finds time to manage multiple things and also stay current on technology, competition, etc. And why one should not try to do everything oneself, particularly as a founder, rather focus on the core strengths. And he shares his thoughts on data protection as well as data quality, and as usual, we conclude with his career tips for roles related to data science. Listen on. The aspect of uh, building a team or dealing with people, would do you recommend entrepreneurs to take outside help? Now, whether it is uh, professional, or professional HR people and all that, rather than doing everything themselves? That's a good question, right? And I think, this is probably one of the lessons that I've learned is that you should build a psychological profile of your applicant, right? Whether mm-hmm. it be HR or through another friend or through references and stuff like that, it's very important to get the hire correct, right? Because mm-hmm. um, in a startup, you don't have that so much latitude, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, with respect to time and money, right? So if you don't make a right hire, you're wasting money, mm-hmm. right? So uh, building a psychological profile with the help of HR may not be a bad idea, right? Mm, mm. It may be also through uh, group settings and interactions. Like, I mean, you can take the person out for lunch and you can, once you put him at ease, you can get a better understanding of what his Mm. real personality is like, right? Part of, so I would encourage, yeah, HR talking to the person but I also encourage even other people to talk to them at length about non-technical topics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is about reference letters. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. okay. so, uh, so you should always contact the references and, and clearly ask for the negatives, right? Reference letters mm-hmm. tend to be, I mean, sometimes sugary sweet and more on the positive side of things. Hmm. But you should always ask for negatives, right? I mean, mm-hmm. nobody can be the best thing since sliced bread, right? I mean, yeah. otherwise they would have been in much higher positions, right? They must mm-hmm. have challenges, right? And everybody has, right? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if you look at uh, the greatest leaders in our history, I mean, they had the strengths, but they also had the weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one example is Napoleon, right? I mean, he had weaknesses, right? Which is why he encountered failure at different points in his life, mm. right? So uh, even though he was a great leader, right? Right, right. So, so 
I think uh, that is the part that you need to sort of evaluate and have a good idea of what you who you are exactly hiring, right? What they can mm. do, mm. and more precisely, what they cannot do, and you blend them in accordingly. Mm-hmm. And you should always be look out for the toxic traits, mm. right? I mean, those are the things that can ruin a company, right? Mm-hmm. Because a person who comes in and creates conflict is going to be hard to manage, right? Mm. So we've made mistakes in not assessing people, the psychological aspect of people, mm-hmm. the right way. Okay. I think, yeah, I mean, I think I, uh, if you were to look for specifics, yeah, there are a couple of hires I wish I had not made. I mean. Mm. Mm-hmm. He, so one was uh, someone who was very insecure and competitive mm-hmm. and so caused a lot of conflict in the organization. Mm-hmm. And B is people who were immature, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so immature people are prone to very compulsive decision making, which again hurt the company. Yeah. Right? So, okay. So another related uh, thing is when you are juggling so many responsibilities as a founder, uh, uh-huh. with also the associated stress and things that come in, you said how you kind of de-stress and all that. You also need to be at least on par with what's happening in the the technical world or maybe ahead, including what probably some competitors are doing. So how do you find time to do all this? So, and this is where I think... Uh... A key quote from Steve Jobs is very relevant out here, that you need to hire the people who are more competent in the area and leave them be, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. you mentioned about competition, right? Mm-hmm. You hire the right product guy who will has the right contacts in the industry to get a sense of the competition, right? So okay. that's one. Mm-hmm. Or if you, are, if you are in a later round of funding, you can build a competitive team itself, right? Mm-hmm which my current company has done, right? Mm-hmm. So so you don't have to necessarily solve all problems yourself. You have to find the right people mm. who complement you and sort of uh, cover all areas, right? Mm. And so it's important not to try to do everything mm-hmm. because, I mean, like everybody, you are not going to be good at everything, right? Mm. Mm. So if you're like, for example, I mean, uh, this was a question that you had asked, like, should people become managers? Hmm. If you feel hmm. that engineering management or any any sort of management is not your cup of tea, then you should hire somebody for that role, right? Hmm. It's it, Having a subpar engineering management is going to, it's going to impact your startup, right? Hmm. So you have to figure out where the areas of your strengths and the areas that you need help and hire for those particular areas. Yeah. And uh, and you focus on a few things, like four or five uh, areas of your strength and then uh, sort of multiplex across that and leave the rest to more competent people. Now, probably a slightly technical flavored question, but I don't know if it is even the, you know, the right question to ask. But since you mentioned that uh, you have been handling storage and then now getting into the the data and the security and so on. Uh, Now, one hears a lot nowadays about uh, data poisoning. So would uh, any of these security strategies that you mentioned uh, address some of those or how should one look at uh, securing the data that you have and ensure that it doesn't get poisoned? 
Yeah, what I understand as data poisoning is um, also sometimes called as the weaponization of data, data. Uh, which is uh, intentionally someone introduces either biases or probably makes it selective, which indirectly again becomes uh, segmented and a little bit of bias. And because of this data that is not, some decisions taken based on that could actually not be in the interest of uh, the users or anyone. So just like uh, the virus attack or uh, any other malware, uh, since many systems are now data dependent, it is about uh, corrupting the data in the logical sense, not uh, you know, physical corruption of the disk and so on. Oh. So uh, that's what I understand as uh, you know, intentionally poisoning the data. First of all, I think what my our security interests are more with respect to finding uh, these, I mean, the security breaches mm -hmm. and the impact on data, right? So mm -hmm. we tend to restore data back to its original once we figure out the attack vector, right? Okay. So that's been the focus so far, right? Okay. Uh, having said that, uh, the data poisoning is more about figuring out the data quality, right? And so, mm. uh, and so, this is an area which is fairly new in some sense, right? Right. right. Because uh, let's say you have an organization which has various documents, right? Mm -hmm. It is possible to alter these documents in such a way mm. that you create, uh, so let's say you introduce fake data, right? Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to, as a, as a person, be able to figure out what is fake and what is real? Right, mm, mm. because today, with the help of generative AI and other tools, you can introduce fake data that is almost as real as real data. Right, right? so it's right. possible for people to even make out the difference. Right, mm, mm. so uh, I think for data poisoning is at least from my experience with organizations, it's a fairly open problem mm. due to the challenges inherent in it. Right, mm -hmm. that it's easy to create an alternate reality which is indis indistinguishable to most of your IT professionals. Right, right. Right. And so this is a good area to be in. Our current focus is more on the uh, not so sophisticated attacks. Like, I mean, so which is like where you encrypt the data mm. or you, uh, what's it called? You sort of uh, uh, take the data out of the organization yeah. and, uh, and issue a ransomware, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are several other such things that we are trying to sort of solve. Mm. The subtle, like, I mean, like a uh, way of getting into an image and changing the watermark and all this, mm -hmm. those things, those are, I think, problems that we we'll probably focus down the road, right? Yeah, that's uh, more on the content. I think, uh, I, I think corporations in general don't have adequate infrastructure to deal with more basic problems. Mm -hmm. Data quality is, I think, uh, uh, important problem in the analytics space today because, like, for example, big data, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Your analytics mm -hmm. are as good as the data. Mm -hmm. So data quality there is a different thing. Data poisoning is, uh, I think, uh, in the world of generative AI, uh, 
an imminent threat, which mm. I think people have yet to grasp very well. Mm. Mm. At least from my experience of talking to CISOs and mm-hmm. the rest of people and those security people in yeah. at least the major companies in the US. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think when you sometimes imagine the possibilities of things going wrong, I think it becomes a little depressing. But uh, uh, as we come towards the end of our conversation, uh, I always like to ask our guests for some career tips. Uh, even with these kinds of possibilities, what is your uh, recommendation for somebody who wants to consider a career in IT? I know it's a very broad landscape, uh, but maybe you can uh, talk about getting into the storage and then data security space. And the second is uh, people who are mid-career, who are not in, let's say, the data storage security space, if they want to shift to this, what would be your uh, advice? So to the answer, the first question is uh, uh, more about the space itself. Like what are the challenges in the space which are worth considering? Like, I mean, what do you like, I mean, what are the, so I think uh, the world is becoming more data driven, right? So people, are inherently getting into information technology, whether they like to like it or not, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the example I give is marketing, right? Marketing, mm-hmm. as in like uh, the way we understand marketing in the uh, sense of reaching to out to customers, right? Mm-hmm. So, a few generations back, it was a very uh, sort of uh, innate skill, right? I mean, you either had the marketing shops or you didn't, right? Mm. So today it has become a data science problem, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So the whole technology field has sort of pervaded almost all fields, right? For Mm. example, sports, it's a a very data-driven these days, right? So Mm. to give you the example of cricket, right? I mean, people have figured out like... uh, where runs are getting scored from, what are the favorite shots, mm-hmm. what are the vulnerabilities, how do the how does a batsman uh play against uh, spinners versus fast bowlers, mm-hmm. left hand spinners versus right hand spinners, finger spinners versus like mm-hmm. uh, uh plus actually real tweakers and all that stuff, right? So people mm-hmm. have analyzed things to death, right? Mm-hmm. And so that has pervaded almost every field, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you go to, let's say, the medical field, it's become very data-driven these days, right? Mm-hmm. So we are seeing uh, sort of a spread of technology throughout the world, right? Mm. Even in areas where you normally would consider like uh, uh, very impervious to technology, we are seeing the growth of technology there, right? Uh, the yeah. way salespeople are measured, like, I mean, mm. today the way uh, products are sold, it's very... Again, technology driven, right? Mm. You so we are in a very data driven world, and I think uh, people should get experience with that, right? I mean, it may mm. not be your primary love, right? You might be an mm. architect, right? And you might like designing things, and you might be an artist, mm. but you also have to be cognizant of all the factors that play around you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you want to make a decent living. Mm. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to, you want to rise to the top of your field, but if you want to make a decent living, 
in any field you have to sort of be aware of your surroundings and today data plays a very important part so mm-hmm. uh, so irrespective of any i mean i'm not trying to corral somebody into specific thing like storage or something like that but you have to be cognizant of uh, you know the uh, the technical world around you right mm-hmm. so uh, so just to give you an example that i think a recent example from a startup that a friend got in has gotten involved in right mm-hmm. so uh, so this is actually very pertinent to india right so mm-hmm. you know about mris right so mris are very yeah. expensive mm. and they take time to get to right your appointment mm. will come 3 weeks later right mm. so people are developing mini mris right which mm. are very cheap portable and uh, and it may change the industry as a whole right because okay. you are mm. now being able to provide diagnosis at a much faster rate than before mm. right mm. So you would be surprised that a very physics oriented mini MRI company mm-hmm. is primarily catered by the data collection process right mm-hmm. so you are generating a lot of data mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how do you store that data and transfer that data is an equally important part of the overall technical solution right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so uh i would encourage people to be cognizant that this is a data driven world and you need to be comfortable in acquiring the skills to survive in this world mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so uh i think uh, you can predict the success and failures of many initiatives purely based on data right and so mm-hmm. whenever you want to do something i mean being aware of the techniques to manipulate data and use data is always a good thing mm-hmm. so i am speaking in generic terms because it may vary by industry like the mri case was a specific to with respect to data storage systems and data storage okay. uh-huh. but you could look at any the other field and you could see where else data plays a part right and mm-hmm. how you can improve your sort of work if you are cognizant of the data techniques mm. relevant to your work stream okay so that's my plug for people to be invested in technology per yeah. se yeah and the second thing was that do you want to sort of let's say mid career jump into a career in data yeah that i think is more of a personal decision right i mean uh how comfortable you are and how you adapt to newer technologies is something that you have to evaluate for yourself i mean i think midlife crisis is more is i mean a about uh career choices but b also about like your life experiences till then right and so sure. uh so i i wouldn't give advice about midlife crisis in a very isolated context about just technology right i mean it's about how you want to take your career in a different direction and technology plays one part in that right i mean one thing would be how would you fit in a newer community right and so on and so forth right so yeah. there are a lot of other factors to play so i feel that at least I mean, maybe it's a contrarian opinion but technology plays a smaller part in the overall decision making right so my question probably if i um 
rephrase it. Uh, it's about uh, to be in this data space. Is it all very unique experience or expertise that is needed? Or would there be some transferable skills that one can bring from other areas? Yes, it's definitely a personal choice and how comfortable one feels about learning and uncertainty and all that. But it is about if I've been doing something, uh, technology I can probably learn, but whether it is about managing people or uh, uh, designing products and stuff like that, would they be applicable? Would they be relevant in this space? I think some of the core career uh, principles apply to technology as well. So suppose okay. you're coming from a non-technology field to a technology field, the core career principles are equally applicable, whether it okay. be uh, like if you're moving from, uh, let's say, some uh, uh, finance to technology, right? So just to sort mm -hmm. of drill down on the example that you just gave. Mm. Um, so I think the as long as you have good work habits, you have intellectual curiosity, I think the technical field is replete with uh, techniques to allow you to absorb such stuff, right? Okay. So, for example, uh, if you were to sort of move into a technical area, I would say it is less tribal knowledge and more... Uh, uh, how to videos and, uh, and mm. so on. And a lot of content is out there, open source and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. which will allow you to assimilate this, uh, the field, right? Okay. So uh, let's say, I think the reverse is not true, right? So if you want to, like, if I, for example, were to take a career in law, mm -hmm. getting the nuances of law would be more of a people-to-people -people exercise, right? And mm -hmm. experience in the courtroom and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But with technology, it's you have, a, I think, a lot of tools and techniques to uh, bring you up to speed in a lot faster mm. curve, learning curve. Yeah. On that uh, positive and reassuring note, uh, thanks a lot, Prasenjit, uh, for uh, taking time to share your experience as well as your perspectives. Yeah, so I, I also enjoyed this show a lot. Uh, I was also uh, probably index towards making it more general than specific and so I avoided a lot of examples mm -hmm. but hopefully people learned a lot from at least the guiding principles and yeah. uh, specifics uh, I think we can always touch up on this in a future podcast like I mean so uh, this was at least uh, from what I felt was a very broad set of topics so I sort of stuck to principles rather than getting to examples which might detract away from the generality of the conclusions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this uh, time has been a constraint, but we hopefully we can share your contact details in the show notes. So if uh, somebody wants a little more, they can reach out to you. Perfect. Thank you for being an excellent host. And uh, it was a pleasure talking to you for the past hour or so. Yeah. Thanks, President. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people's stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts 
at pm-powerconsulting.com.